Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. For multiple bonus shows per week and access to our full podcast archive featuring in-depth interviews, movie commentaries, and live shows please check out the Steel Wars Patreon podcast feed. The content club level is just $3 a month and is chock full of Star Wars fun and really helps the ongoing production of the show. All the bonus shows download into your podcast app like any other show. Give a month a try at patreon.com forward slash Steel Wars. Link is in this episode's show notes. And if you do, hit us up for a question for the weekly Patreon Q&A. And now, on with the show. I really hope you enjoy it. For lifelong Star Wars fan Michael Morisi, writing Star Wars adventures for IDW Comics was, and I quote, one of the happiest moments of his creative life. On this episode of Steel Wars, we go into Michael's Star Wars fandom and the path he took to Penny's own tales in a galaxy far, far away. They were like... That's what worked because when we get pitches, we get the same kind of pitches. And I'm sure you can imagine what those pitches are. I can imagine they're probably like, hey, what happened at Ord Mandel? And they're like, we're not telling the Ord Mandel story, you know, like that's not going to happen at this point. So they get the kind of the same stuff. So I think that like going left to center and it wasn't like intentionally, that was my strategy. I was just like, I want to do the gratifying things to me as a fan that I love that I want to see, you know, these Hondo stories or this Embo story or, or or whoever, and that was my that was my approach, and it, and it it seemed to work from Lucasfilm, and hopefully people like them. Uh, it seems it's been pretty pretty positive, uh, but I'm just I'm just having fun. It's I'm having the time of my life, and I, like I said, I'm treating it like I'll never do it again, and just enjoying the moment. Plus, we talk about how working in the Battlestar Galactica and Planet of the Apes universes differs from Star Wars, how he paid homage to the saga in his own original novel, and ponder if FX7 can move. This is Steel Wars episode 196, Michael Morisi, writing Star Wars Adventures. Hey you guys, welcome to Steel Wars. I'm comedian Steel Saunders and I do love Star Wars. And each week we talk to someone of interest about it. And this week I am thrilled after a a few ons and offs and and schedule changes, but it was the will of the force to have novelist and comics writer Michael Morisi on the line. How are you doing, Michael? I'm good. How are you? I am really good. I'm so excited to talk to you. A little backstory how I came across Michael. He recently penned a really fun story called Flight of the Falcon for the Star Wars Adventures comic on uh, IDW. And you posted up a a really nice tweet. I I like these Star Wars milestones for people, but it it reads, holding in my hands a Star Wars comic with my name on the cover. 
while rocking my Java the Hut t-shirt, of course, <laughs> which I, I actually didn't see that in the caption, but I did marvel at it in the t-shirt. I was like, ooh. Uh, <laughs> and then it goes on. I wrote Star Wars forever and ever. I can say that, though I still hardly believe it. This is no doubt one of the happiest moments of my creative life. I do like how you threw in a creative life there just to absolve yourself of any um, family moments. That, that was a smart move, Michael. You are, you're a savvy operator. Well, like you, I'm a dad, so I got to rem- I got to remember that sometimes. <laughs> well, and, uh, well, isn't what... isn't being a father the greatest creation? Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I should have you I should have snuck that in. I'm just <laughs> afraid that like one day is going to be 10 years from now and my kids are looking over my Twitter and they're going to see what the hell, <laughs> you know, and uh <laughs> what do you mean is greatest part of his life? And uh so I so I avoided that and uh threw in the creative there. Excellent work. I was perusing your uh, name across the internet and I realized that you've written a ton of articles for starwars.com, which is really cool. And we always ask on the podcast what your first memory is. On your little bio on starwars.com, it mentions your first Star Wars memory, which I found very endearing. Go into that for us. Oh, man, I don't remember. So I hope that what I think my first memory is is what I wrote uh, for StarWars.com because what comes to mind is my first memory is watching New Hope uh, at the you know broadcast on TV and on WGN when I was a kid, probably four or five years old, something like that. Um, and what's funny, what's so like memorable about it to me is not only – the thing that we all experience of, of Star Wars for the first time and the magic and the fantasy and adventure and romance and everything that like strikes right to our hearts. But like, I also, so whatever time it used to air must've like butted up against my, um, uh, bedtime. And I would always, for the longest time, it must've been my, my mom took me to sleep right at whatever commercial break that was after Obi-Wan died and they escape, uh, the Death Star. And for years, I thought that was the end of the movie. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, it wasn't until much later. And I'd seen, I remember I saw all of Empire before I saw all of New Hope. Wow. Yeah. Before I saw like those last 40 minutes and wondering like, how did they get out of that jam? Like what, what happened? And then I eventually saw all of New Hope and realized there's another like 30 minutes at least. Yeah, oh, I, yeah, I've never heard of that combo. You know about the machete order, yeah? People come up with these different orders to watch Star Wars in. Yeah. But the Maurice order is very complicated. You've got to watch the first two-thirds of A New Hope, then pr- press stop, have a nap, then watch Empire Strikes Back. Right. And first of all, I have to say, you did get the trivia question about yourself correct. That was oh, your first memory about Star Wars. So uh, oh. congratulations. It, it is truly you. Do you remember as a young Michael when Obi-Wan Kenobi's ghost came back? Was that weird for you that it like it was so quick because you wouldn't have heard like him go um use the force Luke and all that sort of stuff when like Luke was in the Death Star trench. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think I guess I think about it now like I see how my kids respond to death. Like my kids are, especially my older son, who's just turned seven. 
and death is still like a really nebulous thing. He's starting to get it a little bit more, uh, but death is kind of a nebulous thing. And when he kind of saw like the force ghosts, he didn't really understand where they were or what was happening in the sense of like, what does it mean that they're not here, but they're here? Mm. Uh, so it was probably similar for me in terms of like, I probably didn't think about Obi-Wan's ghost because I didn't understand what it meant to be dead. Because even when he like got, you know, struck down by Vader, you know, just his robes, you know, just flutter to the ground, disappear. So they never really, and I didn't see the actual <laughs> scene on the Falcon where they talk about, you know, him being dead. <laughs> um, so <laughs> specifically, so, um, so it was probably just a, like a, like a, a nebulous thing to me where I was just like, oh, there's Obi-Wan somehow talking to Luke, whatever, giving him information that he needs. Gotcha. Cause I had the, um, my order, the steel order is okay. see a new hope, then see return of the Jedi, then see empire strikes back because back then it was like if you didn't see it at the cinema and i wasn't you know old enough to go i was old enough to go see return of the jedi when it first came out at the cinema mm-hmm. and i saw a new hope in like it may may have been like 83 as a re-release but yeah like you didn't have like home video or you know it probably hadn't even been on australian tv by then and when we got a video player, I remember maybe we hired a video player, which is so such a weird thing that you'd go to the video shop. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And, and I remember that. Hire a machine to watch it. And so we each got to pick a video each week. And my first week, I picked The Last Starfighter, which was dope. Yeah. But then I think my brother said, Oh, yeah. Why didn't you get Empire Strikes Back? Thus begun a torturous week of self reflection and disappointment that I hadn't picked the Empire Strikes Back. But the next week I did, and uh, it was pretty good. But I remember my cousin saying when Return of the Jedi was coming out, I was in my grandparents' backyard. And he said, oh, you know, Return of the Jedi is coming out, and it's going to be so cool. It picks up from when Han Solo is in the Carbonite. And I'm like, oh, yeah, of course it does. Yeah, yeah, it has to. And in my head, I'm just like, what's Carbonite? What's going on? <laughs> but it's so crazy, right? Because we're old enough to remember that time. Because, like, the only reason that I even saw Empire Strikes Back or had, like, access to it is because I, and I specifically remember this. My uncle got a bootleg copy, a beta bootleg copy of all things, you know, Betamax. And it, like, circulated through my whole family. Went from uncle to uncle to uncle. I'm a, you know, big Irish family. And, like... That is like we just saw it at whatever time because it was there, you know, and if you saw New Hope or all of New Hope or not, didn't really matter because this is when you had it and we had it. And that's how that's how I saw it the first time because to buy, I mean, you probably I don't know, like Australian price or whatever to like if even if a movie was available for purchase for a beta tape was like at least a hundred dollars. Yeah, there's no way. I think the most interesting part of that story is that your entire family was on the beta format. We're all, but yeah, we're all, or we might've passed around a machine too, actually. Someone might've had the machine that passed along with the cassette. Apparently the superior format. Yeah, I guess. I don't, 
I don't know why or how. I look back at them and they're both pretty lousy. So <laughs> You can also kiss goodbye doing any more work in Star Wars after voicing your copyright violations in the 80s. Oh, that's true. That's true. I did. Oh, man, that was totally illegal what we did. So th- this podcast uh, has been pretty devastating <laughs> for you because I've ruined your family and commercial life. It can only get up from here, so I'm, lo- I'm looking forward to the back half. The back nine are going to be really good. <laughs> so who is your favorite character, or who is your favorite character? Uh, Obi-Wan. Uh, Obi-Wan. Are, are you more sure. partial to the older Obi-Wan, or do you accept uh, Ewan McGregor's as the uh, as part of the whole? Oh, yeah. I, I love it. You know, I love Ewan McGregor's, and it's weird. And I know it's probably sacrilegious to say, but, like, it's almost like oh, – Ewan McGregor's Obi-Wan is Obi-Wan because there's so much more uh, of him. And, you know, you, you take that and extend it across, you know, uh, Clone Wars. Uh, and it's just he, he has such a more robust presence. Uh, but I don't know. It's still Alec Guinness who's the best. Did you, you – know, this comes up on the podcast now and then, and it's Alec Guinness's um, – wasn't the biggest Star Wars fan. Let's put it that way. No. <laughs> Does that bother you at all? No, no. I mean, I can see his point. Like, I see in a way, it's like, what are we, you know, especially from where he came from and what he was doing. And there's a certain probably amount of disconnect because he was older at the time. And this is kind of a a much different type of cinema, even that he was used to. Mm -hmm. So it was probably a disorientating experience, you know, just in general, like, what are we making out here in this desert, you know? Um, So it doesn't bother me, like what he, his opinion on it. And he still did a great job. That is what makes a great actor because he, right. he acted like he liked it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that's all you need. But I, I sort of think like there's that classic story of him telling like a little kid, you know, you should be doing something good with your life or something. When, when he said I'd seen the movie this many times or whatever, I, I like these days I sort of feel like maybe he's got a point. Like, like enjoying it, but then getting too carried away with it is um, can be an issue. You know what I mean? Oh sure, oh sure. We're I think we're seeing uh, <laughs> that in <laughs> we were talking before. You know, we're seeing that in real time with uh, you know some Star Wars stuff, and like there's the internet is a buzz of stuff that's like years old. And you're like, oh gosh, guys, okay, it's time to say the final word and, and let's just, let's just move forward, you know? Get on with it. Now, what about your favorite, like, background character? Who, uh, I always loved, because I was, um, I'm a big horror fan as well. I love the, um, in the cantina scene, there's basically, you know, the, uh, Satan is, in, you know, the one devil character who's like, just kind of trying to look like, ah, oh, I hope no one notices that I'm here, you know, <laughs> and uh, I always love that. I love Bosk, uh, who, who always intrigued me more than Boba Fett. Really? Um, yeah, I always wonder, like, why is this guy wear shoes? You know, why? what's what this, what's with his feet? Um, I always and, liked how he casually, like, hung his toes over, like, yeah. like, like he was hanging three <laughs> on the Death Star. I thought that was pretty yeah, right. badass. He was just he like, was. He, he wasn't scared about falling in the pit. It's fine. I'm boss. No. Yeah, he was. He was. Uh, how about you? How were you some background characters? 
Oh, I'm not used to answering questions on this show. You, you've got me. I <laughs> I would have to say the little baby Ewok. That, that, oh, yeah. Like the little hand puppet Ewok. I just, I I can't get enough of that guy. And I got, like, I've got a little Persian cat and it's, it's like having your own baby Ewok. So <laughs> I, I definitely love him. I, um, I like all the weird little things that happen. Even that, that, like that sandworm character, or he's not really a character, more a creature in the force awakens. I, I, I sort of, I remember when that popped up, you know, like when BB eight and Ray are going through Jakku and yeah. yeah, that sandworm like sticks its head up. I remember seeing that in the cinema on opening night and sort of being reassured that this was really Star Warsy because it was like yeah. such a random, you know, thing like that, that, that frog dog out the front of Jabba's palace and, and stuff like that. Just, just like a little bit of extra like pepper that didn't need to be there, but you're like, Ooh, that that's, that's very intriguing that, um, that those guys, you know, that just these random things pop up things that like you don't imagine happening. I, I just find so like captivating. It's like, Ooh, nice yeah no that's always i mean star wars one of the great things that like lucas did with many things is texture like he textured the world with stuff that like i think now there's sort of a impatience in filmmaking and movies are made so fast that there isn't like the um capacity to have that same sort of texture and layers and just kind of throw away details uh because everybody's like looking for you know Easter eggs and stuff like that. If you put in a detail, a background detail, like somehow has to be self-referential, which is like so absurd uh, where, you know, Lucas, they weren't Easter eggs. And that's the thing. People call everything an Easter egg now. It's like, it's not Easter egg. It's just texture. It's detail. That's what Mm. builds the, builds the world. It doesn't mean anything. It's just, it's just a thing that's there. And and Lucas always did that. I mean, as pre Easter eggs, but I I'm glad that now, and I, I had the same feeling when that little, when that thing popped up on Jakku or even the, um, the weird creature that's drinking out of the fountain, uh, with, with Finn. Yeah. That, yeah. Whatever. I forget what it's called. I actually don't. Is it uh, a, a herbivore or something like that? Yes. That, yeah. yes, I believe so. Uh, you know, stuff like that. It's just like, it's just, it's just great. And I love that. I mean, Maz is, uh, uh, cantina all that stuff you know like i think that's just so um so important to to building a star wars story the um that harbivore if that's the the correct name i remember when those photos got out and it might have been might have been tmz or like at some you know more mainstream news place but and and the fact that it was there on set i just like i just found that so exciting that, yeah. that they'll be acting around this big thing rather than getting shown like a, a line drawing of it or something. It was, uh, it's, uh, it, it's weird to look back at, you know, things now we take for granted, but when we got that little sneak peek, how, how exciting all that stuff is, which is why I love like this point in time where, you know, there's little things coming out about like, you know, whether it's the Mandalorian or the last Jedi or not the last Jedi, the last episode nine, and uh, like I love, I love those little peaks, and then you can just think about like where that fits in for a couple of months. It's it's so fun. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited for like the um, episode nine train to like really start. 
you know, I feel like we, we, you know, and I, we've gotten some like speculation and some stuff is starting to surface, but like seeing a trailer, getting a better sense, at least a little bit, I don't want to know too much, but once that starts, it's going to be really exciting. Cause this is the, you know, the closing, the closing part, you know, and this is going to be, I, who knows what happens from here, but just seeing this, this moment, it's going to be pretty, pretty great and a pretty great lead up. I mean, we have 12 more months to go, 11 more months. Yeah. I, yeah. when you talk about like, it's the last, you know, the last saga film, I, I don't know. I just, it just brings back these memories of like my first memory of disappointment or sadness or whatever was walking out of return of the Jedi and, and being amped that they won and just being so excited about that Ewok, the, the Yub Nub song. And I had Ewok fever. Oh man. But I love that song. Yeah. But just that feeling of like, well, that's it for that. You know, like it was the first like thing I can remember of, oh, that's ending. And then coming out of Revenge of the Sith, like it was so weird that I had like this deja vu, like now I'm so much older, but I've got the same feeling coming out of the cinema. And then I've, I've like, I'm sort of I, like, I can't wait to see the film, but I'm not looking forward to that feeling again. Yeah, no, I feel the same. I mean, I'm sort of like my spirits gets a little raised when I think like what what you basically just point out. This is our third final saga film. So um, I I find it hard to believe that the saga is going to really end. I feel like maybe the saga is just going to refocus or something like that. You know, it just I, I just I just can't imagine making Star Wars movies that don't continue the saga in some capacity. I can't imagine making movies that don't continue Ray's story. I feel, I feel like I walk out, I think about last Jedi and I think like, man, we just started her story. We've seen like 10 days of her life. You know, like, yeah. Right. So I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, I do know that that's what has been said, the final saga movie, but I'm also thinking we'll see. Yes, Michael. But the final saga movie has become the, my favorite lie throughout my life. Right. <laughs> and which, yeah. which, which worries me because this time I'm calling them on their bluff. Like, I'm like, there's not, there's going to be an episode 10, but it will just be in like 10, 15 years when, you know, they've, they've gone through, done some other stuff. And then it's time to, you know, get back to basics and, you know, Oscar and Daisy Ridley and John Boyega, they've gone and done stuff and they're ready to come back. I'm, I'm very confident in that, which worries me because like now um, it's like at a roulette wheel when you've just constantly bet on like black or odds or eat, and then you're like, all right, this one I'm switching and then it switches like that. I feel like right. that, that, that's what's going to happen with my entertainment. What about your, um, what about your favorite scene in the saga or in all the films? Well, there's so many from Empire. I, I remember when I watched Empire, I'll still I still think about like the awe of seeing the Battle of uh, Hoth, uh, the scale and the scope. Like I I'd never seen anything like that, and I I, I just I, I love I love the Battle of Hoth. Um, I love God. There's so much. There's so many great. Uh, 
I, I still remember, I know this is recently, but um, the end of Rogue One. And I remember, which is a movie, probably my favorite of the new films. Um, but I remember seeing the end. And I know what happens, you know, when Vader's attacking the ship. But it was so that scene was so intense and so great. And thinking like, maybe he's gonna get the plans. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> <laughs> like I was really, I was like nervous. It was so, it was like frightening and intense. And um, uh, no, I love that scene. I love the, um, I love the uh, the the whole. Gosh, I, I don't know the first twenty five minutes of Revenge of the Sith. Like I feel like that's the. Oh. purest star wars that that the prequels gave us probably yeah i someone tweeted the other day they asked me what my, i think they had a poll up about what their the favorite section of revenge of the sith was and i'd never really thought about it before but like that that opening scene with the the two fighters going along the top of the republic cruiser or whatever they call those things and then it opens up and they duck dive into the battle. It's oh, chef's kiss to that, and and that whole like scene, like with them, which is sort of what we always wanted to see was them on a a rollicking adventure, getting in and out of like you know tight situations. It was um, it was it's that is some damn fine Star Wars. But I'm wondering when you first watched the Battle of Hoth, were you like worried the whole time that the Death Star was going to turn up? Oh god. <laughs> no, no, I hadn't thought about it. I, maybe, <laughs> you know, it would have really terrified me if I never saw all that time. The end of I, if I somehow saw Rogue One before, just how like the Death Star can just pop up anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I don't. I don't know if I thought that. Um, but no, I mean, I don't know. I think to answer to answer your question, it might be one. Of, it's hard to say, but that that Revenge of the Sith. I'll tell you what. I was talking. I think it was. Um, Team Ahsoka, who who tweeted something like your favorite prequel movie, poll, and I remember Revenge of the Sith and talking to her about it. I was like, I, I love the other two prequel movies. I'm a I am a prequel defender, um, but I feel like Revenge of the Sith. You see, like Lucas really figure out his aesthetic for the prequels, and as as great as it is, you part of me is like, I wish he would have got here sooner. You know, because there's there's some great stuff in those first two movies, but boy, is Revenge of the Sith just like just head head and tails above uh, the other two, in my opinion. Yeah, I was thinking about this over the weekend, and Star Wars, like for most of Star Wars films, funnily enough, or for a lot of them, we know where it's going, and. I'm wondering if like that made it easier for people to accept where the story went because we were all we all knew it had to end with a new hope like the prequels mm-hmm. with the last jedi of people thought it should have gone this way and gone this way and like it was one thing I didn't like about the films was that we always knew where it was going sure but I think as an overall fandom, I think it's more harmonious to know where it's going because then your imagination, like you've sort of got that part of the equation that you have to work with. Yeah. I mean, look at like Rogue One. I mean, you couldn't know more clearly where that movie was directly going. I mean, nobody knew it was going to like 
but into a new hope like the second you know one one minute before new hope begins but we all knew you know we all knew where it was heading it was shocking i mean i was surprised that the whole rogue one crew you know uh didn't make it <laughs> um that kind of surprised me but otherwise i mean the broader strokes you knew where that movie's going yeah there was some spoilers out there released 40 years prior to the film so uh very very good hindsight good hindsight i'm wondering when you were young like were you writing stories did like star wars sort of inspire you to you know get your imagination going um not really i mean i didn't really write much uh it's weird. I didn't know that fan fiction was a thing. Like I always had in my mind, like I had a million ways in which I would continue uh, after Return of the Jedi. I was just like, you know, calculating. It's like, okay, well, there's got to be, you know, X amount of stormtroopers left, and there's still, you know, high command, and you know, like figuring out ways in which, like, there's still a threat in some way. Mm-hmm. And I guess, you know, there's there kind of was, and I always like tried to. You know, my, my brother and I always kind of had these like running stories. And then, um, of course, when I was 12, um, uh, Air of the Empire came out and answered, you know, all those questions. And, and I mean, with that, I mean, that's one of the most seminal moments of my life is having that hardcover Air of the Empire. Just one of the, one of the best one of the best moments of, of my childhood is reading that and being like, oh, my God, he answered the question that I've had in my mind for whatever, six, seven, however many years. And here it is. We have it. And it's in book form. You know, <laughs> like mm. I, 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 uh, it, it just was, uh, an incredible moment. Um, because like I said, like I, I probably had been writing maybe a little bit, but like now there's something special about it not being a movie for me. Cause I'm such a reader being like, Whoa, I mean like you can tell these stories in something else, you know? And that was like, it just blew my mind that it was, different medium and blew my mind that it continued the the story yeah i remember seeing a mobile for air to the empire in a bookshop like i had no like star wars was not on my mind at all but i love you know i loved it but I, i thought it was done and then i saw a mobile in a bookshop and i was like i was stunned like it was like there was a glitch in the matrix (laughs) like there's there's a star wars thing in that retail shop it shouldn't be there and i kind of went in almost accusingly like i was i I wasn't like oh do you have a star wars book it was like what's that star wars mobile doing there what's what's up with this i want i want answers (laughs) but it was i don't know i i sort of like like now when you sort of reflect on a few of the, the plot points in, in, in those books, it doesn't sort of suit my taste of Star Wars. But back then, it was you were just so grateful that there was a Star Wars book that did the impossible, that told you what happened after Return of the Jedi, that, like, I was a bit older than you, but I didn't feel like I was in any position to judge it. It was just, thank you for existing I'm going to read you many times. Yeah, no, you know, and I, I, I don't remember ever having dissatisfaction at all. I mean, not that you'd say you were, but like I, I've, I've gone back since, like, because I'd read it religiously for years, <laughs> years, <laughs> and I didn't touch it for a while. 
and I went back a few years ago and read it, and there was some stuff that I was like, eh, I don't know, you know, not to, Timothy Zahn is is the the grandmaster storyteller. He's the best, the best. I love his the, his new Thrawn books. Like, you know, I'm not trying to say anything. This is personal taste, but like, you know, the um, the 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 oh shoot, what are they called? The things that like you know negate the force. Oh, I was the- like. Ah. The Yosemilary or something yes, like that. Yes, yeah. The, yeah, and I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, everything kind of fl- force flows through everything. I don't know how they – I don't know. <laughs> um, so there's like stuff like that. And, um, you know, the trilogy, his trilogy got so big. Uh, there's like so many things happening, so many plot points. Um, but it's still, like you said, I was just like, I don't care. This exists. It's here. It's, you know, and, and it started – you know, because if those books were, you know, bad or unsuccessful, that probably would have closed the door on so many things that we luckily ended up getting. Mm, right. The uh, yeah, the similarity. That, that's one of the things I'm like the clone, like like the Luke with the extra, you know, all that sort of stuffs. Uh, but at the time, I loved. But now, when I like sort of reflect on it, I'm sort of like, yeah, I'm not so. Because Luke Skywalker post Return of the Jedi, which you know it's you know topical today as it was in the mid nineties, but it's it's very hard to write that character like in a believable way that also he's not just solving every situation instant, like he's just not an all knowing Force God sort of thing. And I because I, 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 I think about like the the modern day Superman films. And I kind of fall like feel like that it sort of falls into the same trap of like there's this like all powerful being, and to sort of get any tension in the film, you kind of got to chain him to kryptonite or something and and get rid of his powers, which then, well, what's the fun of it if he doesn't have his powers? It's like a weird like conundrum. Yeah, I mean that's exactly it, and when he does when he does kind of get like, um, uh, there's a one point in air, of the empire, or maybe it's a second book. I forget where he gets captured, uh, by Thrawn. And you're like, ah, really? Like, it's so hard to believe. But then at the same time, like you said, you don't want him running around, uh, just, just, uh, you know, so, like I said, solving everything and using his power to basically, you don't want him to be an ex machina through the whole thing. Uh, he just shows up and whatever's happening. It's up. Oh, you know, it's over that that problem. Luke was able to power his way through anything. Uh, but then again, when he fails, you're like, how can he fail? He's Luke. So he it, it's an impossible character. He's a possible, impossible character to deal with. It's at some point. Yeah, because even in the prequels, I feel like they got a bit too flippant with how easy they can get rid of battle droids and deflect like. It's it, it sort of there was never any real tension after a while. Like you know, like when the droidicas first rolled out, it was like, oh my god, they're done. You know, they've got to get away. But then I feel like over time, like they, they, they like the droids lost their menace. Yeah. Oh yeah, the droid. You know, like the droids were problematic in terms of like being a real threat because they got kind of silly uh by by revenge of the Sith, like the scene we talked about you know where where r2 is down there you know waiting and he's communicating with obi-wan anakin they hear him and they're kind of you know they're kind of silly so there wasn't much of a threat you know from them 
Now, I'm interested in your other writing. You, you've Your debut novel, Black Star Renegades, came out last year. And from the bio, it's sort of, you know, it says it's a mix of uh, Star Wars and Guardians of the Galaxy. I imagine it'd be very hard to write something that was in the vein of Star Wars that wasn't just a bootleg of Star Wars. How, how do you tackle that? <laughs> uh you just write a bootleg of story and they either have to sue you or hire you and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no no i mean you know one of my things obviously it, it because of who i am and my history and i wear it on my sleeve like it is a love letter to star wars but i also wanted it to uh in a way deconstruct star Wars, like in a very specific way we're just talking about with, with Luke in particular, like I think in, you know, pop culture and even in culture and in, in politics in general, we're living in a, a strange time. And maybe we always have, I don't know, but like the time of the, the Messiah where this one magical person is going to come and solve all our problems. Right. And, uh, you know, it's Luke or, or Harry Potter or, or Katniss or, or whoever, you know, or, or, or a president or, or, you know, a prime minister, you know, somebody's going to come and everything that's wrong, they're, they're, the, they're the ones that can fix it. And they're the only ones who can fix it. Um, and people really buy into that. And I find that terrifying. <laughs> um, and uh, part of like what, uh, you know, Black Star Renegades is about, uh, the first book and, and the second that's uh, forthcoming is like looking at that idea of like, is it, are we better together? Are we better when we pool our strengths together? Or are we better when we just say, hey, all powerful, whomever, go save the galaxy. Tell us when you're done. <laughs> you know, and uh, obviously I would argue on the side of the former where it's, you know, I think that we're better, um, you know, part of the part of the book also is, uh, I don't talk about much, is inspired by Knights of the Round Table. And one of the, the best things of the Arthurian legend is Arthur knew he wasn't the best. You know, so he found a round table and it's round because everyone so that way everyone was equal. And he found people who are, if not his, if not his equal his better. And that is how that they were able to accomplish things. And that's that is, I think, is a powerful, powerful message that you don't see in leadership too often, unfortunately, um, especially in pop pop culture. Um, but that's something I want to talk about. So it's, it's about star Wars. It's about a rocking space adventure. It's humorous. Hopefully it has, you know, you know what I like to think of like creative, you know, r robust worlds, lots of fun, uh, lots of energy. Um, but also like something that looks at like that tradition in, in a way that I don't think necessarily has been looked at. I mean, less it's funny because on last Jedi did it. Like my book came out like three weeks after last Jedi. I remember watching last Jedi and being like, Oh man, <laughs> they beat me to it by like three weeks. Because <laughs> the last Jedi is a lot about that. It's a lot about like Luke being like, "I'm not your Messiah. Like I can't. What do you want me to, you know, take a laser sword and, and take on the First Order?" And when you say it like that, you're like, "Yeah, it does sound ridiculous," <laughs> you know. And uh, um, so they were they were doing similar things. I mean, there's just something in the water. But um, last Jedi definitely carries some some uh, overlap uh, thematically. Yeah, because one of my favorite parts of Star Wars and, and uh, like a lot of sort of fictional stories is like, oh, you're doing the right thing and I'm going to help out, even if it's like against my better judgment. The, the Han Solo coming back to the Death Star and you're all clear, kid. 
Oh yeah. You know, it even goes back to when I used to watch professional wrestling when I was a little kid. I used to love when like a wrestler would run out and help another wrestler that was like getting beat up on. Like I, I, there, there's something about that, that, that thrill that even, even like in the last Jedi, when, you know, Chewbacca and Ray arrive, like in the Falcon, like when you see the shadow of the Falcon, you're just like, yes, they've come through. It's, it's, it's like such a, like an invigorating feeling. And, oh, and even in yeah. like, like guardians of the galaxy, when they all sort of, you know, begrudgingly team up that moment where it's like, we're a team now is, uh, I don't know. I, I find that really thrilling. I do too. I do too. I mean, I love that. I love, I mean, Han's one of my favorites, you know, I, I, I love that moment. Uh, and, and there's something to be said about that. I mean, that's one of the best parts about it is like the unity, you know, like all these people coming together and, and Star Wars has that not to say that like, my book invented the team, <laughs> the team up. <laughs> uh, but like, it was like the team up minus the, you know, the person who's ultimately responsible, you know, like ultimately, you know, Leia and Han and Chewie played vital roles, but ultimately like it, it's Luke, right? It's Luke who has to go and through the sheer, his sheer will, you know, overcome the empire emperor and therefore, you know, crumble the empire and save his, save his father, hopefully. Um, um, but there is, there is, I think that's a great word you use is invigorating. It's invigorating where we feel good when we see people unite. We want that, you know, that's, that's a common thing. We are better as a community. We're better when we're unified. This is a, an amazing moment in the podcast's history when a professional writer compliments me. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. On my use of the English language is. <laughs> Thank you, Michael. Thank you very much. This is um, this has been very special. I told you the back nine would be great. <laughs> <laughs> After I've ruined your life, you're only building me up. Um, I, I guess a lot of people listening would be interested. You know that 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 want to would love to you know pen a Star Wars stories. Like, how, how did you like break into the industry? Um. Well, I've been I've been barking up Lucas Trees, uh, Lucas Trees. Oh God, Lucas Films Tree uh, for a long time, a, a long time. Like I even made um, uh, my own fan comics for a few years uh, that I made, which is friends. You know, we just did it for fun uh, and just released them for free uh, online. Um, and uh, I, I was I'm interested in that because I I read that they got downloaded like sixty thousand times. I think it's like a hundred thousand now. You got to. You got to update your bio then. I should. I should. Yeah, it's crazy. I don't know how that thing keeps going, um, but it's. Uh, I don't know. We, we. I think the first time we did it was three years ago. And the last time was two years ago. What, 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 um, what goes on in the comics? So my the comics that I wrote, I wrote one in which uh, kind of retcons like that. Like it was Bosk in the suit at the Sarlacc pit and not Boba Fett. 
uh, and then there's one that tells like the story. <laughs> I know it's it's stupid. <laughs> no wonder but things fun. went how they went. Yeah, but now we know. We don't need the Bobafet movie because <laughs> I just solved the whole thing. Wait, where's uh, wait, where's Bobafet though? So Bobafet gets captured by Bosk. Bosk oh. finally gets the best, the better of 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 Bobafet, and captures him to turn in the ransom to Jabba, and he's posing as Boba Fett. Um, and then things go south when, you know, Luke arrives and Boba Fett or Bosk is still in the Boba Fett suit and, you know, wrong place at the wrong time. While, while Boba Fett is still on slave one. Interesting. God, that, um, that lady dancer in the special editions in for a shock. If, uh, you know, <laughs> if things get a bit hot and heavy, it's, um, <laughs> You know, it's funny because, like, in that edition, you actually do see Bosk. The story doesn't really necessarily work because you, Bosk and Boba Fett are, are technically, depending on your edition, both in Jabba's Pal at the same time. Mm-hmm. So my comic actually doesn't work. <laughs> um, <laughs> unless you really want to stretch things somehow. And there's a third party involved. Maybe it's Forlom in there or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> So you wrote the comic and your friends like um, like penned it and like did the the illustration? Yeah, yeah. It's just people I work with who are all you know. It's funny. So my friend wrote some, and I wrote some, and we did like anthology. And I remember uh, we were talking about. We're like, well, I mean, both him and I, uh, Tim Daniel, have both worked in comics for like you know over ten years. And I was like, well, okay, you know, let's just we'll put out a call. I'll write something in a little blog post and say, if anybody wants to do it, we can't pay. We're not paying. We're just writing for free, drawing for free. And if anybody wants to join us, let's do it. Let's have some fun. You know, eight pages, nothing too strenuous. And I was like, I don't know, maybe people want to do it. But we put out that post and we like just fought people off with like a stick, you know, and everyone, everyone's like, I'll do it. I don't care. I'll do it for free. I'll do, you know, like every, cause everyone wants to do star Wars, you know, who doesn't like, so I don't want to meet that person who's like, nah, I don't want to do any star Wars. Um, so, uh, we, you know, we just had a lot of great people to, to work with, which was, we, we just all had fun. We just all had a blast doing this like little love letter to, to star Wars and put it out for free and people liked it. And it was cool. It was cool. I wish we'd do it again. Uh, maybe we would at some point schedule allowing. Um, but yeah, that was a piece of the puzzle and just like, in contact with Lucasfilm and they knew I was a big fan and eventually you know one thing led to another and I met uh, Michael Sigling who is um, the absolute best uh, at, at San Diego Comic Con a few years ago and you know we talked and he saw my Star Wars tattoo and like we were uh, just kind of came buddies and he was decided if you ever want to work for us and I was like well he, <laughs> yeah <laughs> here are my children you know <laughs> and uh uh, it took a while, but eventually, um, like you had mentioned, they, they had this Fly of the Falcon thing, uh, the storyline that they were doing, and um, they put me they put me in, uh, gave me the opportunity to do it. And uh, it's still running. It's uh, Part 4 comes out, I think, in like two weeks or so, uh, something like that. Um, so it's, st- it's still going, and um, so I'm still, I'm still, well, I'm not working on that. I'm done, but I'm still ongoing with that being released. And... In the Flight of the Falcon, the, the basic gist of it is um, Bazine Natal, who is—I always think she looks like a, a character off a like a card set 
like a like playing cards at um, at <laughs> Maz's castle. She looks like a I don't know the, the ace of spades or something. She's she's looking for the Millennium Falcon, and you've you know if if you thought that Bosk in Boba Fett's outfit was uh, a bold move, you have been the one to bring together Bazine Natel, IG eighty eight. Han Solo and Agent Callus in the one story, which is a bold combination of characters that, that I kind of really like because it spans so many different eras that they're all together and it, and it works. Well, thanks. I mean, my my philosophy, like when I was pitching, I was like, you know, I had to pitch five stories or five backups. They're, they're eight pages each, so so pretty brief. And then one... Uh, one shot that's going to close it off that's longer. It's uh, 24 pages. So I had six uh, unique stories to pitch. And my philosophy was like, look, in my mind, I was like, I, I, who knows if I'll ever write Star Wars again? Probably not. I'll probably be, you know, turned to a life of petty crime soon enough <laughs> from when this writing thing falls out. But like, I was like, I, I don't know if I'll ever do this again. You know, so I'm just going to do the things that I would want to do like i don't want to do i'm sure and i talked to lucasfilm about this and they said the thing about my pitches that work is that they were so kind of bizarre <laughs> like like the combination that you said and like dusting off embo and being like let's do an embo story and like they were like that's what worked because when we get pitches we get the same kind of pitches and i'm sure you can imagine what those pitches are i can imagine they're probably like hey what happened or mandel and they're like we're not telling the Ord Mandel story, you know, like that's, that's, you know, not going to happen at this point. So they get the kind of the same stuff. So I think that like going left of center and it wasn't like intentionally, that was my strategy. I was just like, I want to do the gratifying things to me as a fan that I love that I want to see, you know, uh, these Tondo stories or this Embo story or, or, or whoever. Um, and that was my that was my approach, and it, and it it seemed to work from Lucasfilm, and hopefully people like them. Uh, it seems it's been pretty pretty positive. Uh, but I'm just I'm just having fun. It's, I'm having the time of my life, and I, like I said, I'm treating it like I'll never do it again, and just enjoying the moment. What sort of outline before you made your pitch? Like what, what sort of info that they did they give you that they like wanted? Um, it was pretty loose. Like they wanted um, basically like. The idea is that it's like a story capturing uh, the the Falcon. Like stories, as much from the Falcon's point of view as you can have, you know, from a point of view of a ship. But like that's not so much centered on one character. It's about the ship and the legendary, the legend of the ship and the stuff that we may not have seen already. So they're like, we wanted to start uh, just post uh, Solo and it can go weave through anything from post Solo all the way to post last Jedi. Um, so the structure was pretty loose. They're like, just fitted somewhere, fit five, six things somewhere in here. Uh, I had an idea of where it had to end because, um, there's two, uh, middle grade novels that connect to the overall, uh, series. Um, so I had to kind of, uh, be considerate of those and they're both very, very, very good. Um, so I had to be, you know, uh, uh, cognizant of those, but otherwise it was, they're pretty, they're pretty open of like anywhere in the span and it's a long span. Um, so that, it was fun. It was fun to be able to do that. Nice. So you sort of introduced like the device of Bazine looking for the Falcon. And, oh, and, and no, no, that, sorry. Yes. No, that was like, that's the whole flight of the Falcon. So like in like the two novels, even they're all Bazine is the character. 
So it's the zine looking for the falcon. Yeah. And then it concludes more or less with, um, uh, the, um, the, uh, the, the pirates, uh, shoot the book that just came out, the middle grade book pirates price, which is like the zine and, and Hondo and it by, by Lou Anders. And it's great. Uh, it's so much fun. And then my, my last piece is like a bookend epilogue to that novel. Um, and you don't need to read the novels to get the comics or vice versa, but they all do tell one continuous story. Very cool. I was interested. Has IG-88 ever talked before? He has. Uh, he talked in the Forces of Destiny uh, with uh, 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 Jin and... Um, That's right, yeah. Yeah. Oh, gosh, who was the other character in it? I forget, but it was uh, the Force of Destiny. He spoke in that. Interesting. Yeah, I, I, I've I, never – there was something that – like when, you, when you're little, I, I just never had even thought about him talking. I thought he'd just be like a – have evil R2-D2 noises or something. Like that. <laughs> I, I had the same thing. I, I had to look that up, and I forgot about that Force of Destiny. I was like this – I was writing him speaking, and I was like midway through, I was like, "Does he talk?" <laughs> like, and I and think thankfully he did because that that story would have been infinitely harder without him being able to speak Sub- to, to write subtitles. It's all about right, subtitles. Right. So, oh yeah. So so how do you how do you research that? Like, what do you does? Do you just type into Google does IG eighty eight talk or what? Yeah, yeah, and the, I think it was like the first hit <laughs> was oh, the first oh, test. I'm, I'm doing this now. Does or, or Wikipedia or something IG- probably. 88 right there ig88 oh my god it suggests it to me oh there's an autofill for that yeah yeah um i don't mean i'd imagine wikipedia for you know covers this ground and maybe i i wikipedia has been a, a very close friend of mine during this process just as i'm like trying to remember certain things and like am i right is that what that is or whatever so that's that's been very helpful well, it's very exciting that uh, John Favreau revealed an an IG uh, style droid's going to be in the Mandalorian because me me and yeah. my friend me and my friend Hawes have just been dying to see him like get about in live action. Like I want to see him like prancing down the street. <laughs> yeah, I, prancing is pretty what IG does, I believe. You know. <laughs> mm. <laughs> uh, the other one I've always wanted to see move because I've just got no idea if they can or they do, but FX7, how does he get about? <sighs> yeah, great question. Get that new comic book. Come on. We need answers. <laughs> oh, if I, if I if we had this podcast two months ago, I could have. <sighs> but the die, the die is cast now. Damn it. Sorry. Well, there's always... The- there's always that another job. I, I think you, I think you'll be fine. I think you'll be fine. Um, <laughs> what, what about a like? What would be your your dream scenario to write for Star Wars? Well, oh, man, my dream scenario actually just uh, went to somebody else. <laughs> I always want to write, and you know what? Uh, I well, I always want to write an Obi Wan Qui Gon novel. Like I really, uh, really want to write a Star Wars novel, and. Uh, it's coming. I, I was at the uh, the the convention. I think I was on the panel. I think it was New York where they announced it, and I was like, just 
just the part of me, just a little part of me just withered like a little oh. bit. I mean, <laughs> but you know what? I, I, Claudia Gray has just written tremendous, tremendous Star Wars stories that like, not that I had any say in the matter or not that it was even anybody was asking the question, but like if it had to be anybody but me, I'm glad it's her because she is, she's the best. She's got a pretty good record. Like it's, it's, it's constant home runs right now for her. Oh yeah. I mean, uh, lost stars, bloodline, Leia, she has done, uh, just tremendous, tremendous work. And, uh, I'm glad she's continuing. I want to see her continue beyond this even. They don't film those comic con panels at New York, but I, I would, I would love to see the footage of the panel and everyone else is like applauding and the crowd's so excited <laughs> about uh master and apprentice and, and you're just in the corner in the panel just like <sighs> serenity now serenity now be strong be strong like be strong like, <laughs> yeah. con- congratulations claudia that sounds great you're gonna do a good job <laughs> i know i know it was it was tough but uh yeah that's the one i've always wanted to tell or conversely do um do an Obi-Wan Anakin. I mean, there's so much mileage between uh, Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones. There's, there's wide open spaces there. For real, for real. Hey guys, I hope you're enjoying the brand new episode. And if you are, I hope you'll take a few moments to pod it forward. Independent podcasts like Steel Wars live and breathe from listener word of mouth. Listeners just like you. So a simple retweet or share of the episode announcement on social media goes a long way to getting other Star Wars fans to check out the podcast. And if you get us one new listener, you have done us a huge favor, which I will pay with more episodes of the podcast. Sounds like a good deal. Hopefully it is. The new episode announcement is normally always pinned to the top of the Facebook and Twitter feeds, making it really easy to share it with your Star Wars friends. Thanks so much. Pot it forward. And now back to the show. Now you're doing some Battlestar Galactica work. Is, Is that a comic or a novel? Uh, it's a comic, yeah. Interesting. Now, we've been re-watching that at the moment. This is like the, the reboot, the the sci-fi series of Battlestar Galactica that was in the 2000s. We, we started watching it, and you might appreciate this as a father, is when Harrison was first born and we had to, like, feed him every, like, three hours, regardless of time, and regardless of how long the last feed took. So you feed at 12 o'clock midnight and he feeds for an hour and a half. It doesn't start again at 1.30. It starts from 12 o'clock. So it became this like this bizarre water torture of like I'd get 45 <laughs> minutes sleep and then have to set the alarm. And it started to remind me of that episode of Battlestar Galactica where the Cylons attack... Mm-hmm. Every 33 minutes or whatever. 33. And it just yeah. wears them out. I mentioned this to Jackie and then we're like, oh, we should, you know, if you haven't seen it before, we should watch it. But it, it, it struck me, you know, like so different to Star Wars that that series, it's 
Such a bummer. Everyone's having a bad time all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so my story takes place in like, I think the bleakest period, like one of my, but it's also one of my favorites. Cause it kind of almost makes me laugh. Cause it's so bleak. Cause like the end of season two, they find, they, they find the capital planet and they're like, you know, new Caprica is what they end up calling it. And they land and like, it's like in a blink of an eye, they're like, we found a new planet. We did it. And then like two minutes later, they're like, Oh, we're, we're, you know, subjugated by the Cylons. <laughs> You know, like it's like it goes from that one moment of like something good to like the worst possible outcome, and like they're just enslaved. Um, so my story takes place in that dark period. Uh, <laughs> happy times, happy times. Yeah, yeah, it's a good time. Remember New Caprica? That was a good time. <laughs> so, so the tone's a little bit different than uh, Star Wars Adventures. A little bit, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> but I have some fun with it. There is like I try to like. I think it's in my nature to like at least write a little bit lighter. You know, I can't, I couldn't do grimdark. Like grimdark is not in, uh, in me at all. Like I have to like, if things are even dark in life, I'm the guy who makes the inappropriate joke. <laughs> um, <laughs> so like I, I just, it's just, I, it's how I, it's how I just deal with stuff. Uh, so it's a little bit lighter, um, but it is, it is dark. I mean, Battlestar is, is, largely not always but largely a much different tone than and then than star wars is um despite being very you know overlapping in so many ways um but it is yeah definitely a little bit darker i'm not sure if we're going to finish because like i've already seen it and it just i don't know it, it wasn't like when you're like worn out and you want i don't know it, it just seemed very oppressive to, to like continually watch like Things just keep getting worse and worse, and Sol just keeps listening to his wife, and and she's she's not the best person. She's not a good influence on him at all. It was, no, yeah, no. I'm the same way with like when people uh, talk to me about uh, Black Mirror, which is which is I've seen plenty. It's brilliant. But I can watch an episode like every three months because that's uh, all I can. That's all I can withstand. Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm too soft. I watched the first one with the British president, or the, pri- the prime minister. God, I'm 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 becoming so American. Prime minister, <laughs> and um, with the ransom and that, and yeah, that, that that that's a fascinating conundrum that they've painted. But no more. Give me more shows where someone comes in at the end and saves the day. That's 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 more my that's what I need for my peace of mind to enable me to sleep at night. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have to, I, I, I'm the same. Like I struggle with that. Like, I, like, like, you know, for like house of cards, like house of cards shows how terrible politics are. It's like, I know how terrible politics are. <laughs> like, I don't need to see it. You know, like I'm totally content with knowing how bad the system is and not having that be my entertainment. You know, like I, 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 I recognize it's a, it's a, it's a well done show. Like I, I, I probably watched one episode, uh, but same in Black Mirror. Like it's it's a brilliant show. I have no, it's well done. Charlie Booker is exceedingly smart, uh, but I I can't I couldn't binge Black Mirror. I you know like that's I don't know what condition I'd be in after. In dealing with uh, you know established franchises with, with Battlestar and you know you've done some Planet of the Apes stuff and, and Star Wars like is is the process like pretty much the same across the board or is, is Lucasfilm a little bit different? Um, it's pretty. It, it tends to be pretty much the same because like what 
what tends to happen, well, there's two subtle differences. Like the one big, well, not subtle, but the one big difference is like what they'll say, like if a property is live or not. And as you can imagine, a property is live when like something is actually happening with it. Battlestar Galactica is not live because there's not a TV show, there's not a movie. I mean, maybe there will be at some point in the future, but uh, right now nothing's happening with it. So that kind of makes the, the, the overlords, you know, at, at Universal not be as picky about stuff, which is kind of cool. Not to say anyone's as picky, but they really just, they, I've actually literally have never heard one thing from them about like changing anything. Um, so when something, but that's like, just because it's, like I said, it's not live when something is live and reasonably so people are more careful about what you do with, with continuity and where you take characters because that might conflict with something else or might conflict something now or, or, you know, a year from now or 10 years from now, they have to be more, a little bit more careful. Um, but generally the setup like Battlestar, um, well, I guess it was Battlestar was a lot more free because like they didn't even give me like a, a, any parameters. They just said, write a Battlestar story <laughs> was just about it. And this is the story that I wanted to tell for a while where Lucasfilm was more like, this is what we need. Granted, within those parameters, it was still it was still really loose. You know, they still gave me a lot of room to roam. Um, where Planet of the Apes was similar, like they had like we have to tell a story in this time frame. It can't touch on X, Y, and Z, uh, or you can't do this or that um, because it there was things going on. Um, uh, so what, it just depends. What what era of uh, Planet of the Apes did you write? I wrote um, the new era right after, right before uh, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Wow. I mean, really, like one. It was. It's like ten minutes before Planet of the Apes or Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Um, and after, wait, what's the first one called? Rise of the Planet of the Apes, right? Is that what the the James Franco one? Is it just called Planet of the Apes? It might be. I don't. Uh, well, it's before, between the first one and the second one. It's confusing uh, because there's like one that's called Battle, I think, and one's called Rise. But then people have pointed out that the name should be switched the other way when you look at the stories. So I- I'm lost. All I know is that James Franco's in it, in one of them, and the ape actors are amazing. And the effects yes. are, <laughs> are just breathtaking. Yeah. Yeah. I, someone give Andy Serkis an Oscar, please. Somebody <laughs> like, I don't know if you have to make a category for him. The and, Andy Serkis, <laughs> you know, best Andy Serkis. And the nominees <laughs> for Andy Serkis are. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, but yeah, no. So it was, it was in that new period, uh, which is, um, which is, which, which, which was a lot of fun. I love, I love the originals. Um, but I also, uh, I love those new ones. Those new ones were, Oh, so good. Uh, so good. Especially Dawn. Dawn was just ter- ter- tremendous. Um, so yeah, so no, I mean, working, working in properties is, is cool. It's cool to be able to kind of play in that playground and kind of find an interesting way to like zero in on the story, uh, while working under certain, you know, uh, confinements, um, that just stuff that you can't do. Like with, like, like we're talking about Star Wars, you know, like as much as you're compelled to be like, I got to tell the Ord Mantell story that's probably not going to happen. <laughs> so you have to find other ways to like other nooks and crannies to, to explore. And that's kind of what, you know, brings you to probably the more interesting things. Cause there's nobody who's going to tell the Ord Mantel story. That's, that's satisfying. Cause we all have it, you know, in our head. That's like the version of it. Um, but once you move past that and go deeper into like, 
okay, what can I tell and what do I want to do? Like you find really, really cool crevices that are definitely worth exploring and you can do your own thing in that um, with a little bit more freedom because there's less expectations. Is it fun as a writer to sort of, you know, of course it's great to come up with your own thing, but to have those sort of like the game of constrictions and having to fit, like say in the Battlestar universe that – you know, you want this comic to fit in perfectly with like the following season of the TV series. Is that like a, a fun challenge? Uh, you know, it's funny if like most writers will just complain no matter what. And so when you're under the constrictions, you're like, oh, but I want to do this and I can't and they won't let me and blah, blah, blah. But then when you're like, you're right, you sit down to write your novel and it's a wide open playing field and you're like, oh man, I wish I had some restrictions. I just wish, you know, like I didn't have like this wide open expanse, but like, you know, there, it, it can be tough. I mean, like, especially like, you know, I've done superhero work, which is like infinitely tough, you know, like telling like a Batman story that hasn't been told is like, I, 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 when people do so well, and the Batman writer right now, Tom King, I feel is doing exceedingly well. When people do well with that, I just marvel because I'm like, how did you find an interesting way to talk, say something about Batman after 60 years of continuous Batman and a lot of great Batman in that time? And um, sometimes, you know, pressure produces diamonds, you know, and, and there's definitely a lot of pressure to like find an interesting story that, you know, uncover that rock that hasn't been uncovered already. In a similar thing, I, I find it, and I, I, I hope that, you know, after the film comes out, episode nine, you know, there's a feature on the Blu-ray or there's something about it, but I'm, I'm kind of fascinated with the writing project of concluding episode nine and having to use the puzzle pieces of the Carrie Fisher footage, like, to serve, like, the story. I, I, I just find that... Like, you know, you've got these scenes, you've got her saying these things in, in these positions, and then you have to weave that in the story you want to tell. I, for some reason, I find that, like, very intriguing of an exercise. Yeah, I don't I, – I, I'm awaiting to see that, you know, and I'm sure they – I have no doubt it's going to be very respectful and mindful, so I don't think anything of that. But I also think, like, how – like, how did they work around that? Like, I just, I, it, it's, it, it's going to be fascinating to see, like, how they made that work. Uh, and I, I mean, I guess they did. It's, you know, similarly, I just read that movie, the, the new Unbreakable, the sequel to Unbreakable, Glass, that comes out this week, used old footage from Unbreakable, which is from, like, 2000. You know, so I guess, I mean, there's, I guess they shoot enough footage and they shoot lots of footage, like, maybe more than I would think. And so they had a lot to work with. I mean, they must have. I mean, if they just had like 30 seconds or two minutes or whatever, I don't know how that could have worked. So they must have had a, a, a good amount to, to, you know, make Carrie's presence not only felt and respectful, but actually like make sense. Well, I've mentioned this before, but famously they had to do about 50 takes of her slapping Poe Dameron. So... My theory is that she just goes around in episode nine, <laughs> to, 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 just slapping everyone. It's just, it's just, it's just a slap fest, and and just a new person gets CGI'd each scene. It's, it's going to be very exciting. It's, uh, and then the action figure with like you hit the back and it, it slaps. It's, it, it's going to be a huge now it's slapping motion. Yeah, it's very exciting. Very exciting. <laughs> 
Michael, thanks so much for talking about your career and, and the comics, which were, you know, I, I'm not a big comic reader at the moment with my uh, current schedule, but I, I did pick up a couple of these Star Wars adventures and I, I've got issues, what have I got, 14 and 15 here, and, and I am I'm intrigued with what happens with the, uh, the search for the Falcon. It was, uh, it was a really fun read, so I, I appreciate that. Thanks, man. Oh, yeah, I'm glad you enjoyed it, and thanks for picking it up. I, I really appreciate that. And I have to say, I just noticed this on the cover of 14. There is, I, I, I guess the, the comics have different covers, but it, it looks like there's one of the characters from Revenge of the Sith that live in the sunken city. Um, what are those characters called? Where... Oh, oh uh, uh, yeah, they, um, they're like the vampires, basically. <laughs> One of the natives of that planet where General Grievous was hiding out, and they've got the vertical lines through their face. There's... One yes. of those guys with a blaster chasing Chewbacca, a young Chewbacca, and it, mm-hmm. it kind of looks like he's on vacation. It looks like he's at San Diego Comic-Con at the Hilton next door. <laughs> he's, he's running past a pool, and there's all these creatures in bathers bathing. But the best creature at down the bottom is there is a droopy McCool species in a bathrobe that um, his holiday has been ruined by this blaster fight. So I, <laughs> I, I, I'm guessing that's from a different story, but it is quite a cover. That is, um, I, I, I never thought of Droopy McCall going on holiday. It could actually be, <laughs> it could be Droopy McCall. It, it fits into the canon because this is a, uh, a young uh, Chewbacca. So amazing stuff, amazing stuff. <laughs> Get more Droopy McCalls. You know, whack one of them in there for me if you uh, if you get to write another one. But deal. <laughs> one thing we always like to finish up with with all our guests is now more than ever we have got such a, a plethora of Star Wars media on the way with uh, movie series that we don't even know you know when they're set or where they're set. We've got Episode Nine. We've got the Mandalorian. We've got Cassian Andor. We've got the Clone Wars. We've got Resistance. Um, what, what are you most looking forward to in Star Wars? Um, I think I would probably say uh, Cassian's series. I, I, I loved I love Rogue One. Rogue One is top three Star Wars movies for me. Um, and I, I loved his character. And I just I, and I also like the tone of it. I want to see a cool spy star wars series if that's the direction they go i think that would be something we haven't really seen you know we touched the touched on in rogue one but i think it's a cool tone and the cassian's a, a great character so and it's a, that's a cool like time a start of the star wars era uh so i'm i am really excited for that yeah that cassian's opening scene in rogue one where he has to shoot that guy in the back it Mm-hmm. It's such a like a explosion of imagination for you because you're like, oh, I hadn't really thought much about like that world of the rebellion, like the 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 dirty rebellion, the 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 gray lines crossed. So they could do some um, some really intriguing things there, and 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 who knows, we might get a droopy McCool character in there, which would be <laughs> fantastic. That's just, 
that's a sidekick the whole <laughs> that's the whole show it, it would be the best it would be <laughs> the best um now michael let the good people of the internet know where they can uh find out more about you and follow your work um yeah i i stay relatively active on twitter so it's just at michael morisi uh my website is michael p morisi uh dot com um, somebody had taken Michael Morisi for some reason. I don't know why. Uh, so I put the P in there. My, my middle name is Patrick. Uh, and I'm on Instagram. I think same thing. There's Michael Morisi on there. So keep it pretty simple. Very nice. And we'll link to that in the show notes. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Before you go, let me ask you real fast. Uh, what, what, what are you looking most forward to? Uh, episode nine. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a meat and potatoes guy. <laughs> I'm psyched for everything else, but Luke Skywalker, Ray, they're they're my they're my peeps. So I, I wanna I wanna find out what happens to those guys. Yeah. But I am excited for it. It just purely film story, yeah, that's gotta be episode nine. Yeah, and, and just like what the possibilities are for, you know, bringing in like older elements, like if they can get Hayden to be a force ghost or something like like it like it's yeah, I'm 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 very excited for what I thought would be an impossible thing, and that's to see you know Star Wars Episode Nine is <sighs> bring it on. Oh, don't bring it on! I'm I'm I I really want to drag out this year for as long as possible. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, no kidding. Yeah, hurry up and wait. You know. Yeah, because yeah, I, I I don't want that feeling walking out again of um, that's the last one, or is it? It's not. It better not be. But still, I'll have that feeling. And yeah, uh, I'll no, be, I know. I'll be a disappointed, tiny little boy again. <laughs> Thank you again, Michael. Really appreciate it. And may that force be with you. May the force be with you too. Thank you. This is a blast. Hey, you guys. I hope you enjoyed that super fun episode with Michael Morisi talking comics, storytelling, and of course. Star Wars, you know, those films that we always talk about. It's crazy, you guys. Hey, uh, super exciting news as our 200th episode is happening on February 2nd at the Scum and Villainy Cantina. And we have got Eric Walker, the star of the Ewok Adventure, A Caravan of Courage and Ewoks Battle for Endor, the original mace in Star Wars, and he'll have uh, tons of behind-the-scenes stories to tell, working with Warwick Davis, who, from what I can tell, they became pretty good friends on set, and of course, George Lucas. We always love a first-hand George Lucas story, and I just want to know, he got to play with Ewoks. Tell me it all, Eric. Tell me it all. But tickets are on sale. Uh, they're $10 pre-sale online at merchostore.com. $12 on the door, on the day, at the Scum and Villainy Cantina. It uh, is at 3.30 on Saturday, the 2nd of February. But uh, save some time afterwards because we're going to stick around and um, have some drinks, have some chats, have some laughs. And all that good stuff. So can't wait for that. Get those tickets now-ish. Yeah, get just get it now. Now. Go on. Now.
I've been having a lot of fun doing the Patreon Q&As weekly. We uh, are hitting on some good themes, particularly people are enjoying sending me on uh, semi-wild goose chases around the EU area of Wikipedia as we, we delve into some crazy stories. But also, I invite people on the Patreon that you can ask questions about recent episodes, something that you want to touch on or have more information about, or older episodes, so uh, keep those questions coming. I'm just about to record another one today, so uh, that will be up in the next 24 hours. Questions uh, you have, I always get the name wrong, questions you have, answers I give. And uh, if you want to submit a question, if you are a part of the Patreon, just uh, find the last episode on the Patreon page and write a little comment underneath. If you're not a Patreon and you'd like to become one, for $1, you support the show every month and get access to all our back episodes in full of the main Steel Wars show. And for $3, you get all that along with all our bonus episodes, the Making Steel Wars, the Q&A, the Star Wars Year by Podcast with Horst Burkhart, which we're going to get back to, the Robo Report, which, wow, there's been some, there was one episode, two episodes ago, where we uh, were talking about the Vader fan film and it got contentious we, we we were told that we were recording two separate podcasts at the same time so that was fun but we then we had a uh, a civil makeup episode so uh the robert report is um it's an emotional roller coaster guys so you got to get on that but uh yeah for three dollars a month you get all the episodes i think there's like you're gonna have a hard time getting through all this content i think there's like 600 entries on um, Patreon right now. So there is a lot of stuff and plenty of timeless stuff as well, like our audio commentaries. We've got live commentaries for Star Wars, the holiday special and the Phantom Menace. And then we have in-studio non-live audience commentaries for Solo, A Star Wars Story with Jason and Randy from Now This Is Podcasting and The Last Jedi with The Last Jedi's own details, which you can watch either along with the movie or by itself because D just, just drops banger story after banger story during that and uh, yeah, it honestly, without the Patreon, it would be very hard to do the show. So I very much appreciate everyone that contributes. And if you haven't already, I did a week of Star Wars Minute talking about the, I was going to say the Phantom Menace, The Force Awakens, doing uh, the Han Solo reveal minutes of The Force Awakens. So check that out, Star Wars Minute, so fun. I will leave it there. But may that force be with you. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello, Fresh. 